We're chipping away at everything that isn't you, reconnecting with the part of yourself that loves you unconditionally, sees the real you, and accepts your authentic self. When you disconnect from the opinions of others, work in your mindset, and stand in your power, you feel expanded, alive, and confident. This podcast is where we discuss a range of topics that help you bring you back to your heart space. Topics like body image healing, your relationship with food, mind and body connection, mindset and relationships. We get real, we get messy, we're vulnerable and we're unfiltered. This is Heart Space with Stacey. Welcome back for another week of Heart Space with Stacey. Today's episode is about the mind and body connection, why it's important, how you can use it, and why you need to use it in your healing journey. This is a topic I am extremely passionate about. I absolutely love talking about, and I could jam on this topic for actual hours. Um, It was a key component of what I did my master's in, which I'll get into in a moment, but I think so many people underestimate the impact that your mind can have on your body and the what your body can do to your mind. And this is why I use mind-body practices and this physicalness of your body to help heal with eating disorders, food issues, mindset, confidence. Um, And so today's episode is going to be really juicy, really educational, and I'm going to leave you with some really practical tips that you can start to actually implement today to help with your mind and body connection and really make you feel the best that you can and use both your mind and body in that process. Before we get into it, the mindset hack and tip of the day that I'm currently using is around accountability. Now, this might sound like a pretty boring topic, and trust me, I know it kind of is as well, but accountability is something that I have lacked in probably the past six to eight months. And the reason that I'm starting to bring this back into my life is because I feel like I've only been living and um, working at about 70% of my potential and capacity. And accountability and making sure that someone else is being accountable for you or you have an accountability buddy, first of all, for me, is really motivating because I don't want to turn up to someone and say, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. It's a lot easier to do that to yourself. And I spoke about this in the last episode around confidence and following through on your self-promises. It is easier to let yourself down than it is to let someone else down. So what I'm doing at the moment is I have a friend who's very successful in business. He's starting two other ventures at the moment who, which are his priority and he has multiple goals to achieve within all of these. I have goals to achieve within HeartSpace and my other job as well in behavioral science. And so we're each other's accountability buddies where every Sunday I ask him what his goals are for the week. He'll give me a breakdown of the different uh, structures and areas of his life that he has different goals and I will do the same so my goals for heart space uh, I'll write out what those will be what my personal goals will be whether that be around training recovery yoga mindset different habits that I want to implement uh, what my goals are within behavioral science and so I have someone who knows what I'm working towards so that at the end of the week they can check in and ask how I went and I can check in and ask how he went. If for whatever reason we didn't achieve those goals or we uh, let go of some of the things that we're working towards, we can actually open a dialogue around, okay, well, what happened? What do you need support on? Um, what was the reason for this? What you know, what came up? What stopped you? And if it's around confidence, it's around if it's around things around mindset, there's someone else there from an outside perspective that is able to actually help us um, 
look at it more objectively and help motivate us from the outside rather than getting lost in the story of I can't do it, uh, you know, I'm not good enough. And it just helps with motivation. It helps with actually momentum and going forward. I am a very big believer that action creates motivation rather than motivation um, creating action. That is a whole other can of worms. But having an accountability buddy has already lit a fire up my bum and makes me realize that I can no longer hide. And I feel like honestly, for the past few months, I have been hiding. I have been working about maybe 60 to 70% of my potential. And I'm honestly sick of my own shit. So I, this is scary, by the way, this is really scary to actually have someone ask me, how did you do? Because I can't hide anymore. So that is my mindset hack for today. If you feel like you have been hiding or if you feel like you aren't living up to the potential that you could be or there's goals that have you've been sitting on for weeks or months, get a friend who you trust and ask them to be your accountability buddy because every single person has things that they're working towards, whether that be in career, their business, um, their mindset, their body, their health, whatever it is. And it's really easy to fall back and not follow through on those promises for ourselves. So find a friend, ask if they would like to be your accountability buddy. All it takes is declaration of your goals for the week on a Sunday or a Monday or whatever day you choose, and then following up with them throughout the week or at the end of the week to see how they went. And it can be really motivating and really get that fire going underneath you um, and also help support you for when you need support. So that is my mindset hack for today. Now to get into the app. So before I want to talk about the mind and body connection, I think it's really important for me to explain um, my experience with this and my knowledge around this. And I guess, why am I someone that can actually talk about this? So I have my master's in health psychology. Health psychology is a niche part of psychology, which essentially studies the mind and body connection. So in my master's, it was all around, uh, so health psychology, So health psychology is what I did my master's in. So I have a master's in health psych. I was doing clinical health psychology, but I decided clinical was not the avenue for me to work down. And health psychology is a niche area of psychology, which focuses on biological, social, and psychological factors that influence health and illness. So essentially it is how your mind and how your environment and how your social factors impact your body whether that be health or illness, and then how health and illness impact your biology, your psychology, and your social factors. So essentially, my master's is in the mind and body connection. I, while I was studying this, was absolutely fascinated by this area of research. There is so much depth, so much knowledge, and so much gold in understanding how your mind and body interact and how you can use this to your advantage with healing, with your everyday life, with health, um, and also when you have illness. So within my uh, master's, we worked, and when I was doing clinical work, we worked with people who had physical 
illnesses. So I worked in chronic pain units, um, people who had cancer, people who had diabetes, and we worked with their mind practices to help them recover, help them deal with and help them be in a better place physically healthy wise from mind and body practices. So literally my whole master's is in mind and body connection and how we can use it and how we can use it to control pain or change poor health habits or um, change the way that you feel in, physically in your body. It is absolutely fascinating. And so Cool. So what is the mind and body connection? Obviously, it is a connection between your mind and body, but it's not just a one way system. So it's not saying that your the way that your body is impacts your mind and the way that your mind is impacts your body. It's a bi directional pathway where messages from your gut are taken to your mind and from your mind are taken to your gut and everything in between. And the way that this happens is mediated by the vagus nerve, which runs from the stem of your brain cell all through your central nervous system into your gut. And the vagus nerve is the key part in your central nervous system. It oversees things like uh, control of your mood, your immune response, digestion, heart rate, um, heart rate variability. And so what happens with the mind and body connection is if you have thought processes or if you have particular things going on in your brain, the perfect example of this is when you are nervous. So let's say you are about to give a speech or you're about to go on stage, or you're about to do something that is making you feel nervous. The only thing that you know is making you feel nervous is because you're thinking about this thing. Okay. There's actually no threat coming to you. It is purely your thoughts about the thing that is happening. When you are nervous, sometimes you start to feel butterflies in your stomach, you might need to go to the bathroom, um, you might feel a little bit sick, you might not be hungry, or you might be really hungry. So there's actually physiological changes in your body, just from the thoughts that you have. So that is a really good example of the mind and body connection. Another example is, if you were to close your eyes right now, if you're not driving or walking, and you're able to close your eyes, and I said that I had a really big, juicy lemon in my hand. And I want you to imagine taking this lemon and biting into it and feeling all of the juices permeate your tongue, go down your throat and just excite your taste buds. What is happening to your mouth? Most likely you are starting to salivate. And this is the impact that your mind can have on your body. So you don't have a lemon there, but the pure thought of you having a lemon and biting into this lemon is starting to activate your salivatory glands. It will start to activate your digestive hormones because your body is getting primed to eat. So the impact that your mind and body has on each other is really, really important to understand. And I'm going to get into how we can actually use this to our advantage for things like healing with the mind and body practices. So how this actually works is the vagus nerve is a part of your autonomic nervous system and your autonomic nervous system is always scanning your environment for danger or potential for threat. So this includes things like um, people, places, certain things, situations, environments. And this is from a very old model of when we were scavengers and hunters. 
and we would be searching for food essentially and there's you know lions and tigers or there's berries that might kill us and so we always had to be scanning our environments for things that were going to be potentially threatening or dangerous to us now we don't particularly live in an environment where we have immediate threats around us all the time so threats of in today's society could be things like poor body image it could be things like comparison on social media it could be things like embarrassment or um you know giving a talk in front of your peers or something that stimulates a fair response and the really important thing about this is it doesn't have to be a real threat it could be a perceived threat so i'm going to get into it a little bit later around beliefs and how these come into it as well but if you have poor body image or if you have anxiety around certain types of food or if you have really disordered eating perceived threat to you could be eating perceived threat to you could be looking at your body in a mirror Okay, so this, these things get so deep rooted in our mind and body that they actually become our reality for us and can start to really impact our physiological responses, which then impact the way that we show up in the world, which activates a stress response and so on and so forth. So the important thing to know now is that your mind can create perceived threats if we don't do anything about it. And that is why it's really important to understand this and how to use it in your, your healing processes. When you're exposed to these real or perceived threats, whether it's an actual threat or um, you have that fear, whether it's real or imagined, your body then activates the fight or flight response. And the fight or flight response is essentially a heightened state of arousal where we actually start to perceive the world around us differently. So our bodies switch from our logical thinking mind. So our prefrontal cortex shuts down a little bit. So we can't actually think logically about, is this genuinely going to impact me? It shuts, it shuts down the higher executive functioning part of our brain and your animal reptilian brain turns on, which means that you start to perceive things more inclined. You're more inclined to start to perceive things as violent or angry, even if they are neutral. Your heart rate increases. You have an increased um, production of cortisol, which is your stress hormone, epinephrine, which is your adrenaline. You have increased body temperature, which increases your sweating. You have an increased heart rate. And so the fight or flight response is preparing you to exactly do that, fight or flee. So if you were to come across a bear in the wild, you need to be able to fight or flee that bear, which means that all of your blood goes away from the organs and not all of it obviously because you actually still need to be able to breathe and do um, normal bodily functions but most of the blood that is in your organs that is aiding in digestion that is helping you um you know with your liver all of these things gets pushed out to the periphery of your body to your arms and your legs which is priming you so you are ready and able to fight this thing or run away that means that in this fight or flight response when you are your sympathetic nervous system is activated you're not digesting food so a lot of the people who have body image or disordered eating also have gut issues one of the reasons is because your body is constantly trying to fight or flee which means it cannot aid in digestion properly that is one of the reasons and as we get into it a little bit more you can start to see more reasons as to why you might have gut issues if you have disordered eating as well but that is one of the reasons you also have an increased production of adrenaline and cortisol which means that your stress response is through the roof 
So you can imagine if you're constantly in the state of heightened arousal, if you're constantly thinking that something is going to hurt or harm you, over time, this chronic state of stress or fight or flight response is actually impacting your mental and physical health and has been implicated in a range of clinical conditions like most anxiety disorders. Okay, so when you are in this heightened state of fight or flight, which is your sympathetic nervous system, you are on edge all of the time. And when you're on edge all of the time, you start to look for more things that are going to be of danger to you. So if you have disordered eating, if you have anxiety issues, if you have um, poor body image and your anxiety is caused from food or body, you're constantly going to be looking at things more negatively and looking out for more negative things. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. You're going to be looking for things that are more negative and then perceive them more negatively. So when you are looking at your body in a mirror, even if it is a neutral body, you are going to perceive that as more negatively and it's going to affect you even more because you're in this heightened state of arousal. If you are eating food that you're scared of or you're eating food and you have this fear of food, you are going to be in this stress response, which means you're actually not able to digest it properly, which means that there's a probability that you're going to be bloated, which means you're going to react even worse to the food, making you even more fearful of it. So you can start to see how impactful this cycle can be if you're in this constant state of hyperactivity and hyperarousal. And this, by the way, we haven't even talked about anything that is actually going to impact you or um, be a threat to your survival. This is all a thought process. So this is a top-down process of how your thoughts and how your brain can impact your body. So you're thinking that I've got, you know, my body is disgusting. I need to lose weight. I can't eat that. I'm going to feel really guilty for eating this food. All of these are just thoughts that are now impacting your stress response and your physiological reaction in your body. The alternative to the fight or flight response is the rest and digest response, which is your parasympathetic nervous system, also a part of your autonomic nervous system. So this is also uh, mediated by the vagus nerve. Now, in the rest and digest response is essentially when your body is in homeostasis. So it is rested and it's called rest and digest because your body is able to digest. It means your heart rate is down, your cortisol is down, your adrenaline is down, your body is at a resting rate. And that means that your body can digest food properly. When you are eating, it will actually activate your digestive system, which will um, activate your salivatory glands, which get you ready to eat. It will initiate things like your ghrelin, so you can actually be full and feel that fullness when you are eating. So you're not likely to overeat. And when you're eating, when you have eaten, you are able to digest the food properly as well. Your body is essentially in a state of calmness, of resting, it is feeling good and you're able to perceive the world as it is and neutrally so you're not always looking for threats you're able to look at people and smile and you're happier and you're lighter because your body is not in this heightened state of arousal and stress okay so that's the first thing that uh, the first part of the mind and body connection is the autonomic nervous system and how we can activate our stress response simply by thinking certain things how freaking cool is that, by the way? How cool and scary is it that our thoughts 
can have a physiological impact on our body. And that brings me to the next part of this mind and body connection. And this is why I do belief work with all of my clients. So because your body can initiate a physiological and a biological response, sorry, your thoughts can initiate a physical, biological and physiological response in your body. This has been extensively researched through a placebo and nocebo effect. So the placebo effect is essentially when you take or someone takes a inert or um, inert essentially means it's non-active. There's not a sugar pill. Let's say you take a sugar pill for a painkiller and you think that you've actually taken a painkiller, you are going to experience reduced pain. Now, this isn't just in response to pain. People have had placebo surgeries. They've had placebo treatments for cancers. They've had placebo, obviously, um, for pain relief. Now, the impact of this isn't just psychological. You're not just faking it. The impact of the placebo is actually it produces the same physiological response in your body as if you had taken an active drug. So what happens is often we use a priming effect. So in people who have chronic pain, um, we might tell them, we, we might give them an actual drug and say that this is going to reduce your pain by 30%, whatever, whatever. Over time, they start to, their body starts to actually produce, obviously, those physiological responses to the, the drug. Over time, they start to believe that this drug is working. The next time we give them a drug, we will tell them that it's an active drug, but we might give them a sugar pill and it's not actually done anything. Their belief if they believe this is an active drug, their body is going to mimic what happens when they take the active drug. So opioids will be released. Your actual body releases the same pain reducing hormones than if you had taken an active drug just by pure belief. This has happened with people who have had laparoscopic knee surgery. So there was a study where people needed um, the cartilage cleaned out in their knees because they had such bad pain they couldn't walk properly. Half of the participants got the actual laparoscopic knee surgery. Half of them only had an incision in their knee. So they didn't know what had happened. They could see that there had been an incision in their knee suggesting a surgery. The participants who had the fake or placebo knee surgery recovered as much as those who had actually received the knee surgery purely because they believed it. So you can think about the impact that your beliefs have on your body. This also goes the other direction. So there's something called the nocebo effect. And this is like the symptoms that you receive, the adverse symptoms that you experience from taking particular drugs. So obviously with drugs, there are some side effects like um, vomiting, nausea, there might be like arthritis or whatever the side effects are. If you believe that you have taken a drug that gives you certain side effects, you are more likely to experience those side effects. So whenever I'm at the doctor and they talk to me about a particular medication that you need to take, not that I you know, take medication, but I never read the side effects um, part of the pamphlet of any drugs because I know that even the suggestion of side effects is going to increase my incidence of, of experiencing them. Now let's take this concept and this education and research outside of drugs and surgery, for example. The beliefs that you have about yourself, whether that be positive and negative, are going to impact your physical, physiological, biological body. 
If you constantly have negative core beliefs about yourself of I'm not worthy, I'm not attractive, I have to lose weight, I'm not good enough, that is going to negatively impact the physiology in your body. If you are holding a negative belief about yourself, about you're not good enough, those thoughts are going to create that stress response in your body that we talked about before. And you are going to experience heightened state of arousal. You're going to experience heightened heart rate. You're going to feel on edge. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to perceive the world more negatively based on your negative belief. So this is why it is so important to look at the stories that we tell ourselves and create about our lives, the events in our lives, and actually reprogram and choose another story because your beliefs directly impact your body and the physiology. If you have that belief of I'm not good enough or I have to lose weight to be attractive, that is all your mind is going to focus on because that is a fear and a threat in your natural environment. So you're going to activate your stress response, perceive the world like that, your nervous system is going to be activated and you're going to constantly be in the heightened state of arousal. Now, this habit of thinking, this belief over and over and over again actually changes the cells in your brain, okay? So it's easier to recall this belief. And this is why it can be so difficult to start to change our beliefs because they've essentially become habits in our brains which are hard to change, but they start to change the physical nature of your brain. And this is why regulating our nervous system is such a key role in managing anxiety, body image and food related disorders or anything that actually causes anxiety. Because this anxiety impacts your mind and body. And this is why I use this two way system of healing mind and body. In all of my coaching programs. Because we can use the mind to heal the body and we can use the body to heal the mind. And this is how I also implemented all of this knowledge and research into healing my own disordered eating, because I knew the impact that your body can have on your mind and your mind can have on your body. And so it's not just about changing your mindset. Your mind is only one part of this part, one part of this story. So it's all very well and good to know what the mind-body connection is and the impact that your beliefs can have on your body. So how do we actually start to use this education and knowledge to help us? And this is where the top-down and bottom-up processes come from. So top-down processes is essentially when your brain guides your body. So you're starting from the top to your brain, top-down and uh, guides your body. Bottom-up processes, obviously your body is at the bottom, so you're using your body to impact your mind. So remember, it's a two-way uh, bi-directional system, so we can use brain-to-body practices or we can use body-to-brain practices. So top-down practices where we're using our brain to guide our body are things like meditation. And this is why I highly recommend and include meditations throughout my courses is because meditation isn't just about um, clearing your mind and having no thoughts. There is a misconception that that is what meditation is and people say I'm not good at meditation, I can't do it, I can't clear my mind. That's actually not what meditation is. Meditation is being able to detach from those thoughts. It's being able to identify that that is a thought and let that thought go without having to dive into it or letting that snowball. 
meditation is a really really powerful exercise to actually be able to train your mind and with meditation comes mindfulness and so mindfulness is another top-down process which i get every single one of my clients to start with when we first start coaching and implement it in their daily routine so mindfulness could be as simple as having a shower and noticing and engaging all of your five senses it could be mindful eating. It could be going for a walk without your phone. Um, one of the exercises that I do is like attention training. So it's a choose a mundane task. So I like to do it when I'm doing the dishes and you're training your attention and being very mindful of everything that you're doing while you're doing a very mundane task. So it's noticing the warmth of the water on your skin. It's noticing the smell and the aroma of the dishwashing liquid. It's noting the texture of the dishes that you're washing. So you're taking in all of the five senses and essentially training your attention to focus on one specific thing. Attention training is really, really powerful, especially for people who have uh, suffered from binge eating or emotional eating, because when we focus our attention on one thing, our brain actually starts to think that that's an important thing to focus on. So it allocates more resources to focus on it. So if you have a habit of binge eating or emotional eating, your brain thinks that is important and it will focus more energy and more synapses and more neurons from the brain to focus on binge eating. So if you can get really good at attention training, you can actually start to train your attention when you get those urges to binge or emotional eat. You can train your attention away from that and focus on something else until that subsides. Um, another really powerful thing with meditation and attention training is we start to detach from the meaning of our thoughts. So we don't have to, um, if we have a thought of I am fat or I need to lose weight or I need to eat everything in sight or I'm not good enough, we can start to notice that uh, that's just a thought that doesn't mean that it's fact and I'm not going to let that thought ruin my day or impact the action that I take next. So meditation is a skill. All of these things that we start to learn are skills and you can harness and um, get better at these skills and you're not supposed to be good at it at first. And so I just want to get rid of that misconception that that meditation is about getting rid of the thoughts and, and having a clear head. Over time with meditation practice, you start to have a clearer mind because you're using things like attention training, like mindfulness. And that means that your monkey mind now is no longer going everywhere. You're actually starting to feel a lot more calmer because you're using this top-down process, which also impacts your body. Examples of bottom-up processes, which I use in, um, which I used a lot in my own recovery, where you use your body to regulate your nervous system and impact your mind was yoga. I have harped on about the benefits of yoga so many times on my Instagram, on my stories, in some blog posts, because yoga starts to teach you more about your body than you've ever learned before. When you step onto your mat, you are focusing on your breath. You are focusing on how your body is showing up today. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It didn't matter, doesn't matter what you could or couldn't do a few days ago. You're focusing on your body and how far you can push your body today and what your body needs. It also brings in non-judgment. So you need to be able to focus on yourself and drown out what other people are doing in the class and really tune into what your body is telling you. Can you push a little bit deeper? Maybe you need to pull a little uh, pull back a little bit today because your body is tight and sore. So it's really starting to focus on this body practice of 
listening to your body, regulating that nervous system from uh, that fight or flight, you're bringing it down to rest and digest. And by focusing on this body practice, you start to calm your mind as well. There's also this, um, when you do things like yin yoga, if you hold a pose for a long period of time, you have this thing called rebound. So if you're in a particular pose, your body starts to release into that pose. It starts to get a lot of, um, release a lot of tension. And when you get out of it, you feel a lot of difference between one side of your body and the other, the one that you have stretched a lot. And there's this period of recalibration where your body is adjusting and that is the rebound effect. And it's essentially this time in this period where after intensity and after uh, a lot of movement and a lot of um, focus, you need a moment to relax. And it's like the stillness between the intensity. And so when you actually start to bring that practice and bring that thought process to things like your recovery, like things in everyday life, you start to realize and be more kinder to yourself and kinder to your body because you're actually starting to listen to what it needs. And so yoga is uh, in so much literature with anxiety, depression, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, um, even psychotic mental illnesses yoga is such a powerful bottom-up process to help regulate your nervous system because you're actually starting to focus on the body and regulating that and down regulating that sympathetic nervous system another really powerful bottom-up process is breath work i also i'm not a breath work facilitator or practitioner but i use a lot of breathing in my coaching so i wouldn't necessarily call that i mean it, yes, it is breath work because you're using your breath but i'm not certified in breath work so i don't call it that but it's essentially focusing on the breath and what that does and i actually used to be uh, um, i used to volunteer for the anxiety phobia um anxiety new zealand um charity and a lot of it a lot of anxiety related practices are around the breath when you are anxious about food anxious about your body thinking about the 101 million things you need to need to do today when you're about to have a difficult conversation that stress response starts to elevate you start to impact you start to um, activate the sympathetic nervous system and so breath work starts to bring you back down into the present moment you regardless of what you were doing today tomorrow in this very moment the only thing that you have guaranteed is this moment right now in your breath. So if you're starting to get carried away with thoughts around your body, with thoughts of anxiety around food, with a conversation you have to have, if you've had a fight with your partner, focusing just on your breath and bringing breath work into your practice starts to bring you back to the here and now. It starts to downregulate your sympathetic nervous system and it starts to activate that rest and digest response. So a really easy way to use breath work and to use your breath in order to do this is what I call box breathing. So it's essentially like you're drawing a box with your breath. So it's equal parts of breathing in, holding, breathing out, holding. So you can start with four seconds. So it's four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, and then repeat that five to 10 times. After doing that, I can guarantee you, you are going to be in a very different mindset than what you were when you first started. That is because you have activated your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest response, which has now impacted your brain.
So it's that bottom-up process where you're changing the physiology of your body. You are activating that rest and digest response, which now impacts your brain from the bottom up. And then the last one that I want to touch on, um, and I haven't, I've done this a little bit, but I don't use it in my coaching too much, um, is cold exposure therapy or um, cold water therapy. This is another bottom-up process where you are essentially using your body to help regulate your mind and regulate your nervous system. And this has a similar pre uh, premise of breath work where you're actually focusing on your breath, you're breathing through the, the pain and the cold, and you're actually starting to build up some mental and physical resilience to things that are like that cold. So the longer that you can stay in, um, I think it's around three to five minutes that you should do this for, maybe up to 10. Um, I don't know too much about it, so I'm not going to dive into that too much. The ones that I use and the ones that I know about are the meditation, the yoga, the breath work, attention training, and mindful exercises. And those are the ones that I will use anytime I start to feel myself getting stressed. They're the ones that I use every single time I have a coaching client. Um, and so this is why it's so important to use your body as a healing process, as well as your mind. So I hope that this has been educational, insightful, and inspired you to start implementing some mind and body practices into your daily life. I recommend starting maybe with one or two with like a, um, a meditation in the morning and doing some yoga or doing some breath work and meditation. Do one of the mindful, one of the bottom up processes and one of the top down processes to make it simple. And then you can actually start to implement some more. But once you start to use these practices, you really start to change your life. And if you need help doing it, enlist in someone, like go to a yoga studio or go to a breathwork facilitator or have someone help you do this so they can actually teach you the right skills to do it so that you don't need them every single time. So if you have the skills, you can now do this on your own. Um, and so I hope this has been super helpful for you. I absolutely love this topic and I could talk about this topic for hours. And if this has resonated with you, I have something super, super exciting dropping this week, which is going to change the way that you relate to your body, you relate to food, and it will include mind-body practices in it as all of my coaching does. And this program is literally life-changing for anyone who has binge eating, emotional eating, body image issues, um, and it integrates all of these mind and body practices, plus so much more. If you are interested, I will put in a form at the bottom of this episode so you can register your interest. This is early stage release. This has not even been released yet. And if you are interested and if you fit what I am looking for in terms of the types of clients that this is going to help, I will reach out to you first with a special offer. Um, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to Heartspace with Stacey. I love chatting in your eardrums and um, coming up speaking with you every week. I'm so excited to launch this. I'm so excited to have you here. If you have anything that you would like to, me to discuss or have any questions, again, my email and my Instagram will be in the show notes and you can contact me through them. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and I look forward to speaking with you again next week.